Hey everybody, welcome to the Mike is Always Right podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I had the pleasure of interviewing Representative Shannon Zimmerman. Representative Zimmerman is the State Assembly Rep for District 30 here in Western Wisconsin. We had a great time. We did a very Wisconsin thing. We met at a supper club. Uh, they weren't doing bingo, but you know, if we had played it better, we probably could have won some money. Um, we met at a supper club in Western Wisconsin. We had cheese curds. We talked about not only the wonderful state of Wisconsin, but our amazing, beautiful country and the love that he has for both. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Representative Shannon Zimmerman. All right, everybody. So we're here, Representative Shannon Zimmerman. We are here with um, really a, a fighter for our rights, and we were just talking kind of offline before we started recording about you know different special sessions and overriding Governor Knucklehead's veto, you know, over- overriding the governor. Um, and so, Representative Zimmerman, good to have you here. Thrilled to be here, Mike. Thank and you and much. so, and, and we're doing, and we were laughing about this earlier. We're doing the most Wisconsin thing possible right now. We are actually sitting in a supper club. And if those of you that don't know what a supper club is, look it up on Google. You'll you'll figure it out. It's a place where they do not only fish fries on Friday, but bingo on Monday, yep. right? Yep. Um, just a good uh, um, down home. I think in Texas we'd call it a country place, right? Yep. And we're having Wisconsin cheese curds. So we agreed that we could take the Wisconsin up another notch if we both had uh, some beer. But it is three o'clock in the afternoon exactly. on a weekday, and uh, you know things could get out of hand. So. First and foremost, you know, talk to me about what you just came from. So you just came from a special session within the state assembly and tell me what that was all about and tell me kind of what the results were of that. So everywhere we go across this great district in western Wisconsin, and in, in fact the state and the nation for that matter, what we're seeing right now, what I'm hearing a lot of is uh, employers desperate for workers, absolutely desperate. We're sitting in a supper club that is now going to be closing on Sundays because they can't get the staff and they need to allow their, their current staff a little bit of time off. That result in a reduction in state collections on sales tax, income taxes, income to the employer, and to the employees for that matter. So one of the things that we did last week was we went into what's called Extraordinary Session. Um, We were attempting to override the governor's veto of a previously passed bill which would have eliminated immediately the supplemental state unemployment benefits, essentially resulting in, guess what, putting people back to work. They're going to want and need to go back to work. we needed, I believe it was three Democrats to cross the line and come over with us. Very sadly, they did not. They just kept screaming that the sky is purple, the sky is purple, That's and everybody right. knows it's blue. That's exactly right. And so um, the result at the end of the day is that the benefits will continue uh, through into September, and then they are set to, well, they are currently set to expire. Let's hope that that <laughs> continues. But, but currently, we're, we're fighting yeah. for uh, the employers, the employees of the state of Wisconsin because we got a workforce shortage. We had a workforce shortage coming in to COVID yep. with, with a great economy we yep. have in Wisconsin. Um, we are shooting ourselves in the foot right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's kind of interesting. You know, the supper club that we are at is not, we're not in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in a very thriving town. Right. We're in a college town that should have right. the, the 
the pick of the litter. Um, literally, I'm looking out at the sign right now. It says "Top Pay for Chefs." Yes, they need people. They need people desperately. And it, it literally, I read it on Facebook two days ago. Hey, we're going to have to change our hours. Sunday is no longer going to be, you know, our day, and we're going to operate. It's such a blow to a business when you consider they're going to shut down one day a week just to give their people a break. And it feels like, and I, I was talking to other people about this. It feels like we're now kind of um, competing with the government, right? For, we are for a workforce, and are. and I don't think it was ever designed to be like that. No, and and I think that it, you know, in life we need thoughtfulness and balance, right? We do it in our personal lives, we do it professionally. Sometimes in government, those things go out the window. And I'm not suggesting that through the COVID period that there certainly wasn't maybe some need for the government to to take some different measures. But we've gone too far now because now the net effect is what we're, what's happening is we're ending up in a situation where. We have people willingly staying on the sidelines uh, as businesses. It, it, the one we're sitting in is now closing on Sundays as a result of that. And, and that's something that, you know, I, I don't believe was an intended consequence, but it's where we are. And so the thoughtful thing to do is, okay, fix it. And that's what we tried to do. Um, but, you know, the governor has a very powerful veto pen in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, what I can tell you and everybody listening that we're not going to relent. Um, we're going to keep fighting for the Wisconsin family, uh, for the American worker, and for the American employer. Because sometimes employers, Mike, they get villainized. The fat cats, right? I can tell you that, first of all, the majority of business owners are small business owners. Let's first of all get that straight. These aren't the multi-billion you know, billion dollar corporations. They are providing the employment, taking the risk, providing the employment for people to sustain their families. And round and round the, the system goes and works, right? But when suddenly you are competing against not just normal competitors, but the government who ironically is borrowing this money from our future generations and kind of pulling it forward, I mean, the net effect is just adverse and bad all the way around. So, um, look, I'm optimistic that we're going to clear this COVID process. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But the number one thing I'm focused on in western Wisconsin is let's get our jobs filled. Let's get people back to work and off the sidelines. Well, and it seems like you get a emergency. And obviously, this is this is a podcast. This isn't, uh, you know, visual. But I'm, I'm air quoting an emergency, right? right. And... At a time, there was a very valid reason for that emergency. We right. didn't know what right. this was. We didn't. We just knew that people were dying. We right. knew that we needed to do these certain things. Then you get the first stimulus. Okay, I can I can understand that yep. huge amount had very very good you know bipartisan support. Then we get into the second stimulus. Not as much bipartisan support, but I think we still kind of needed it, right? The the wheels needed to come off. The wheels were coming off a little bit. We need to make sure. But now we're we've got the third. Now we're talking about a fourth, possibly. Right. Yeah. We're talking about you know um, extending the moratorium on evictions, right. right? So you have people that have gotten a couple stimulus checks, have getting extra uh, income yep. from unemployment, and they're still complaining that they can't make their rent. And so I think you're exactly right. You begin sometimes with the best intentions and we're trying to fill this out. We're trying to figure it out. But eventually this is where we end up. And, right. and that's, you know, very sad when go, you, you give the government an inch and they're taking a long past a mile at this point. So as it, as it pertains to COVID, yesterday New York City came out and they said, hey, if you want to basically go indoors, right. okay, you're going to have to have a, a passport Mm-hmm. some sort of a license or some sort of something that says you've got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So 
break that down for our area. Break that down for what that looks like. Is that something you ever think could come here? I don't. Um, and let me elaborate and kind of explain why. So first of all, backing up to some of your earlier points, you know, the, this, the wave on wave of the stimulus checks and, and the borrowing, I think people have almost become numb to, to figures and numbers when they have a B or a T next to them. Yeah. They can't even fathom it. They can't. So, so let, me, let, me, let me try and put this into perspective for everybody here. So w as a member of the Joint Committee on Finance, um, working through the budget process, you have a ton of evenings in hotels, uh, you know, and I get bored and I decide to, to go online and, and do a little bit of investigation. And so prior to the COVID era relief packages, every man, woman, and child in the United States of America was on the hook based on our national debt for about $71,000. So just put that in perspective, right? 71,000. So you take these big numbers with B's and T's and we bring it to our local homes and, you know, Billy and Susie in your house, 71,000 each and mom and dad and on and on we go, right? Okay, fast forward to just the stimulus packages that have been put in place today. We've now, we're now in the mid 90s, yeah. okay? So as a percentage, that's a material increase in percentage. So, so I just wanna always remind people, this is, this is the money from our grandchildren. They're, there's grandchildren I've not met yet, and when I meet them, I'm not telling them that, hey, on my watch, our national debt climbed even further, and oh, by the way, would you pay that for us? It's a serious, serious thing. Again, not saying that we didn't need to take some action, but there comes a point where it's like, okay, stop. The second part of that is that you, you, you take the uh, effects of that, all right? So let's think this through once. We do these sort of things, or government says we do these sort of things to help those most vulnerable, to help those in need, those who are impoverished, right? So what's about to happen, it's already happening, in fact, is inflation is on the rise. And that is, and that is a tax that everybody has to pay. Absolutely. So, so the irony of this is that that short-term relief and now this extension of this, this, uh, this high that people have been living on with this money, inflation's gonna kick in and that stimulus check is long gone. Yes. And now milk is $6 a gallon or whatever the case may be. So those are things that people, I don't think necessarily contemplated and certainly have not thought about since. Now back to your point then, leading into New York City and the decision they made. There are people who have socialized the idea of providing certain papers and documentation of vaccines. Um, it is my belief that, I'm not saying it won't be suggested or proposed in the state of Wisconsin, there could be those in the legislature that would do that. Um, I believe my opinion is it would be defeated because number one, we are at a point where you've either had COVID, you've had an option to take the vaccine, or you have the personal choice to say, you know what, I feel good. And statistically, I'm willing to take that risk. I don't want to get the vaccine. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way. That's your choice. And so if anyone else who would say, but, but you're, you could affect others. If the others are concerned, then they have choices they can make exactly. as individuals. Yep. So I believe, well, I'll speak for myself. If there is every vote that comes to the Wisconsin assembly floor uh, suggesting vaccination cards and identification, I will be a no vote on that. Well, and I think it's interesting to, to note, you know, this is where there's so many other things going on and, and we talked about manufacturing you know this outrage and everything is a problem and we're, we're offended at this we're offended at that it seems to me like we're making something up that really isn't that big not to say COVID isn't big but when you look at the statistics okay adults over 18 70 percent 
yeah. right, have been have been vaccinated. Uh, those over 65, it's a much higher rate. So take the amount of people who have been vaccinated, take the amount of people who have gotten it and now have natural immunities, no, you know, uh, antibodies yep. built up to it, right? And you, you kind of look at that and you say, well, that's a whole lot of people. So now you're telling me if I want to go to a restaurant right. and pay so much more for something that I you know, used to pay a couple months right. ago, right? That I got to have this card, I got to register, but I need to have this card, this ID to show proof that I can get into this place, but it's terrible for me to show a card or an ID to vote. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. I mean, and you, you nailed that one. You 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 run around like a, like a dog chasing his tail, right? It's, it, it's lunacy, and believe me, it's plentiful in in government. You know, I have been an, uh, a business owner, an entrepreneur in this area for the past twenty five years, and you live in a world where common sense prevails. It has to prevail, right? You have to make the the best decisions uh, possible, and and in government, sometimes it just gets tossed out the window. But the condition you're describing right now, fear motivates, Mike. Fear is influential, and I'm literally to the point with this, I am not suggesting for one second COVID isn't real. Very real, okay? Yep. And, yep. and we've taken on an array of steps to, to do the right things here. But if you look at what's happening, I mean, the media, the media is as culpable and as anything in this process because what's happening is we are having to, the, the media is making us into what we are because they need to sensationalize everything to get attention. And so they take the simplest thing. We're measuring now, I mean, is, is should we be measuring cases? That's questionable. Yeah. Should we be measuring the effect of said cases? Yep. That's probably a better measurement these yep. days. Yep. Um, we don't measure how many cases of flu there are. We just know that, ooh, there's a bad strain going through a flu. Everybody, hey, you might want to take the following precautions. Yep. Based on the numbers you just shared in terms of those and the percentages vaccinated, Let's measure the adverse effects of the cases and not the cases themselves. Let's not overreact. Let's not prohibit our children from getting their butts back in those desk chairs in schools and mom and dad can go to work and, again, take care and provide for the family. We need normalcy. It's time to return to normalcy. Well, and I think that's an interesting it's an interesting, interesting statement because, you know, if little Bobby and Susie can't go to school, somebody's going to have to take care of them. Somebody's going to have to figure out homeschool, Zoom, you know, whatever the case may be. Yep. And, it, and it's, it almost has this crippling effect. Children can't be social. Right. Children can't experience the things they need to experience, right? Because we've gone into this super ultra lockdown right. mode. But then when you really begin to drill down on it, is this so bad? I don't ever remember, and you may, you may be able to, to correct me. You, you're a little bit older than I am. <laughs> little bit more gray hair <laughs> that's true but here's the deal i don't remember ever the government going door to door giving out flu vaccine vaccinations no i don't ever remember them you know i come from a generation where when one kid got chicken pox yeah. you would bring all the kids together right and they would have a chicken pox party so everybody would get it right, right? and then we would all push through it right. and it seems to me like okay uh, speaking for me only i i get covid okay that's terrible i'm probably gonna feel like crap i'm probably gonna feel like you know i i should have probably gotten the vaccine right i mean i find it interesting that that senator lindsey graham mm -hmm. got covid he said hey i just felt like crap and i wasn't feeling good right. he had the vaccine right. right okay good he so when we talk about all this i think you're right to your point it's got to be fear-based because we want eyeballs on the television. We want people to buy news. I don't even know if people buy newspapers anymore, but we want people to buy newspapers. Yeah. We want clicks on the internet, right? We want to do that to justify their existence as the media 
righteously telling us what we need to do yeah. or what we don't need and, to do. And, and all these media companies are in, in such a hyper-competitive environment now because it used to be you got your source of your information, your news, at 6 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night and or with the local newspaper. But, you, but you, you know, we all have these fancy devices now called smartphones yep. where we are being pummeled with information constantly. And so it's kind of overload. So this behavioral condition now that the, the media has now triggered is that we have to sensationalize everything we put in front of you because we're competing against your phone, we're competing against your iPad, your computer, um, everything. So look, I understand the condition that exists for them and, and this environment. They're not helping matters. I will tell you, and this, 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 maybe this will surprise some people, maybe it won't. When you get away from the microphones, even in government, in little old Wisconsin, when we're in, in, in uh, the legislature's end, we will find that Democrats and Republicans actually get on fairly well. You, I mean, there's going to be some big differences in terms of, course, of how of we course. think you know, yeah. about certain things, but there's civility. We can talk reasonably. We can debate something with great structure. But the minute the cameras enter, you see this theatrical each of you, production. Each of you go to your corners and right. now fight. And that's the part that drives me crazy because we wouldn't do that in our homes. Yeah. Say, honey, you know, okay, we're going to talk through this thing we don't get along on or, or we don't agree on. Yep. Professionally, you'd, you'd, you'd thoughtfully and politely weigh the merits of each position that, that each individual has. But for some reason, I'm going to insult you. I'm going to sensationalize this. I'm going to go to a radical extreme that, that you know, that, that draws the attention of the media so I get publicized. I one little line that I said, it is unsustainable in this great nation that I love. We can't keep doing this to each other. Well, and I think you come from you come from the generations where you look at the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, right? You had your Walter Cronkites. You had these newsmen who were, you're exactly right, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Now we've got to fill 24-hour news cycle. Right. What are we going to fill that with? We've got to make... You know, salaries. We got to pay for this. We got to pay for that. Yep. Those news vans are not very cheap, right? Right, right? So, what do we do? Well, we we plant something here. We pick something there, and we exploit that. And then now these two people are fighting. And honestly, they're probably not very far apart right. on many things. But we've almost worked to manufacture this. So, we we alluded to it just a little bit earlier about children, school, opening schools, yep. um, things of that nature. When schools are opened, a hot button topic right now is critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're white, you're bad, you're horrible. Okay, the reason why you're having problems in life, black, brown people, is yep. because the white people have oppressed you. Yep. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about as far as where you're at, state assembly, you're representing this district. When things like that come up and we're talking about stuff like that, where are we going with this? What, what do you think is... is, is is the state because I know there's a lot of school board people, right, yep. that are rushing to kind of look at this, understand this. Some of your larger cities, Madison, Milwaukee, different places like that, are starting to very much embrace it. On this side of the state, near you know Minneapolis, St. Paul, we're kind of closer to them. They're saying, "Hey, listen, we're teaching you this, little Timmy. Don't go home and tell your mom and dad." Yeah, we just found out that last week, right? So. Talk to me about kind of where you think this is going. Where do you think this happens in Wisconsin? What are, what are your thoughts on that? So first of all, there's two words that sometimes come to mind, equity and equality, right? Equity means we all have the same opportunity. Equality means we have the same outcome. 
It's not reality. It's yeah. not life. Yeah. We all have the same opportunity. Uh, my mother was first generation, you know, from Germany into this nation. And, and, you know, talking with my grandmother, you know, hearing a lot about her time during World War II with, you know, Nazi-run Germany, just, just all the different information. We have, I, I mean, I am passionate about the nation I love. And we are a nation that has made mistakes. A couple hundred years ago, there were people that did some things that probably we would certainly say today, not the coolest thing in the world to be doing. But they're not here today. And so I feel like in some ways, when it comes to critical race theory and talking about these different subjects, let's tread carefully because are we literally in some ways, I would argue, we're proposing to solve racism with racism. Of course. We're going to solve sexism with sexism because we need to get, you know, more females in X position. So now if you're male, you're inherently, you know, you're, you're degraded yep. uh, to some degree. We should have the best person regardless of race, color, whatever, up for position, whatever the case may be. You know, locally, here's what I would say. I have heard the noise. I've reached out to my local school board administrators, uh, checking with school board members, uh, faculty in the area, parents in the area. I think it is lunacy of us to tell a third grade girl that who is white and let's say her parents work uh, at 3M Corporation and mom and dad are doing pretty good for themselves, you're a racist. Yeah. That's absurd. You only got that way because the system is designed against other people right. and it's designed to promote you. You know, I look around these days and I've been in business for 25 years, both within the U.S. and opened operations from India to Western Europe, Eastern Europe, looked at a lot of different labor markets. And I'm not saying that there's not examples still in today's world where you're going to have people make dumb decisions and make a racist decision. Yep. It happens. Okay, yep. They're fools for it if they do that. But what I would tell you is that certainly in the professional environment, I have never seen and nor could I imagine people making a, literally making a decision based on the race or the gender of the individual across from them. Because if you're making, let's say, employment decisions on that, you're hurting your own organization. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I want to say on this is central government at the federal level or certainly even in the state of Wisconsin down in Madison, I don't want to be dictating the curriculum from Madison for River Falls, Wisconsin, for Hudson, Wisconsin. It's not our role. So I want to make sure I stress to people the importance of the local school board. That's where a lot of this work happens and, and where you can either defend against this and or help to shape and form what our, our, our kids are, are learning. So those on the school board are the most impactful here. But I would close with this. Let's not make another problem that maybe doesn't need to be dealt with right now. We've got enough. We've got a workforce shortage. The number one way to solve that is our educational centers putting out an outstanding product. Kids who are educated in mathematics who can go on and get engineering jobs and fill the jobs in our western part of the state. By the way, fastest growing part of Wisconsin right now we're sitting in the heart of. Yep. We need smart people taking our jobs. So let's stay focused on some of the learning gaps that we have been facing. Our reading scores are not where they need to be in the state of Wisconsin. Yep. There could be a lot of reasons for that. Let's get back to our kids and the core of what is going to empower them and help them be successful in their future endeavors, whether that's direct to employment or whether that's going on for further higher education. Well, and I think it's interesting, you, you, had, you had kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, 
we we've done some things right we've we've stubbed our toe we've made mistakes we bought and sold human beings i mean just just horrible things but i always come back to some of our founding documents right Mm -hmm. in order to form a more perfect union it never said it was perfect right right and and i was talking about this with with another gentleman the other day you know when when the first continental congress met Ben Franklin comes out, a woman asks him, hey, what do we have? You know, did we get a theocracy? Did we have a monarchy? You know, what, what do we have? And he says, we have a republic if we can keep it. Yeah. So the only things that were given to you through right. these documents in order to form our perfect union, we want to have life, mm-hmm. liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. We're pursuing that, yeah. you know, and we're making mistakes and we're falling on our face and then we're falling on our butt and we're having those issues. But it amazes me how... You never hear the Chinese squabbling about this. No, because their kids are going to school six days a week, and they're turning out engineers and scientists and all of this different stuff. I think maybe the opportunity arises for parents to educate their children. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is not good. This is is what happened. You want to treat people based on, you know, the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Let's get back to science. Let's get back to engineering and mathematics and all of those things and create, like you said, a more robust workforce. There are kids that are never going to go to college, but they're great with their hands and they make skilled mechanics, welders, Carpenters. And, and have you seen the pay, pay grades these days for people who know how to use their hands? Don't even get me started it's on that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they're basically sleeping on piles of money yeah. and enjoying enjoying their life. But but that's the thing, right? We've gotten so far away from that because we want to tell you, hey, the reason why you didn't have this is because of the color of your skin. Yeah. Well, was it really? We're, we're, we're the beneficiaries of the grit and the tenacity of the generation that went before us. And America is the best nation on the planet in my opinion but we can never forget that republic needs to be defended we have to we have to we have to defend the the, the ways that got us here I, you know, I, t- I told my boys this um, you know having built a company that was international make no mistake your competition is not just in your county your state or your nation your competition is global yeah and you hit it on the head do not think for one second uh, that the Chinese are not thoughtfully, deliberately, and carefully playing the long game here on us. Currency manipulate, all the things they're doing, investment in these sort of things. Just because we have enjoyed a season of tremendous prosperity as a nation, it is never assured. And believe me, uh, people will want that for themselves. So I think that we need to stay focused on what got us here, go back to our roots. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it, like, it's like an athlete, right? You train, you work out, you commit yourself, your heart, your soul, and you reach certain levels. Yeah. But if you stop working out, you stop training, you stop doing the things that got you there, you're not going to stay there. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. And that's the way I look at our nation right now. Well, and having, the, and having a republic that's, what, 238 years old mm-hmm. in the in the grand scheme of things right is is a very is not even a dot you wouldn't even put a small dot no. <laughs> on on you know a, a timeline and so I, I think you're right I think in the beginning of the the 20th century we had World War one we had something to focus on World War two something to focus on then you get into the civil rights movement something to focus on right, right? I think maybe with the manufacturing going back to the media stuff we're trying to argue and fight and cuss and fuss and doing all that stuff when really this isn't something we need to get into right this is something that we need to focus on keeping that republic mm-hmm. because in the grand scheme of things we are a huge experiment in this country and i don't i don't i think Absolutely. the other 
countries of the planet view us that way and they're all watching to see if this is going to work if you truly give the people the right the voice all of that okay how is that going to work from systems that are based on socialism communism whatever the case may be right so pulling all of that grand scheme we just got done talking about the world and united states federal all of that stuff let's talk about our district i live in this district too I actually voted for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and now we're sitting here talking and having cheese curds. That's right. Um, talk to me about some of the things that you see coming up, yep. right, in your in the legislative session. Some of the things you're looking forward to. Some of the things that maybe you're not looking forward to. Hey, this is on the horizon. This is not a good thing for us. Kind of give me a better understanding local stuff as it pertains to us here. So a couple things. First of all, if, if you look at the, the budget process, which we've just exited, you know, uh, there was, you know, those are always heated debates and where should we spend money? And I look at this budget, I thought we did a great job. Uh, we got a budget through that ultimately delivers over $3 billion back to the hardworking families of Wisconsin. It's your money. Government will never spend it as, as well as you will. And guess what? Our Democrat governor signed it. So we are thoughtfully finding ways to get a few things done here. Does it mean it's perfect? To your point, no, it's imperfect, but we're going to keep working on it. Now, with the budget behind us, which is, a ma- is, is one of the major focuses of, of the first part of the term, now we get into legislation. I foresee you will see an array of bills continuing and an array of efforts all focused around workforce and helping to get people back into the open positions because if our employers do not find the labor that they need, they are resourceful and sadly they might have to go somewhere else. We don't want that. If we start having employers exit this state, we've got bigger, or this district, we got bigger issues. So you're going to see an array of bills, I'm certain, that are going to be focused around that. You're going to see bills, my office is going to have some bills focused on ways to more rapidly accelerate the, the, the fusion between private sector companies and our, our education centers. Let th- these, these walls that kind of existed over time, get, take them down. Let's start to have, I mean, some of our kids, even at the, at, the, at the advanced high school level, starting to explore careers with local employers because, to your point earlier, they might not go to a university, but they would be a fantastic welder in the area, and we need welders in the area. And you can support a family in this area as a welder, believe it or not, these days. That is absolutely doable. So I think you're going to see an array of bills that helps really force that issue as well. Um, You're going to see bills that focus on uh, helping to build confidence in the election process in the state of Wisconsin again. Whoa, 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 man. You're talking craziness here. (laughs) You're talking election integrity and making sure that, you know, one person, one vote. Yep. This is, this is crazy. I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, you know, there's been a, a, a number of bills that have come out, and, and, and this, is not, this is not me talking about, you know, re-litigating or re-discussing or debating the Donald Trump uh, and, and Joe Biden election. This is about the fact that there are a large group of people who have lost faith. And so what, it is in everybody's best interest to make sure that we get legislation through that, that, that reinstates that faith, that builds that confidence. For me personally, one of the things, it's not, it, it, I would say it's indirectly tied to this. I am the author of the Wisconsin Data Privacy Act. Um, there, there will be, a, in fact, very, very soon, a, a, a fresh, uh, newly minted bill that comes out that is focused on getting Big Brother out of your life because Big Brother can track, read, detect, knows everything, where you go, who you're with. And so these are steps to protect Wisconsin residents from 
external influences that can you know end up resulting in an adverse effect. So I, you're going to see a lot of bills in those categories. I believe, and in, 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 there's going to be all the usual stuff. I mean, bills. You have some bills that maybe they're not sexy, but they're very necessary, right? I mean, there's things that we're going to be doing. I can tell you this: my colleagues are all about let's get government out of your way, out of your life. It's not going to be done more effectively in government. So you'll see bills continuing to come out of Madison and get through, hopefully the governor signs them, that are going to be taking government and removing them from your life. And that's a good, good thing. Well, and to your term, I think that's funny. You know, hey, we're going to be doing these things that maybe aren't as sexy, right? But you know what? Um, nobody is like super, super knocking down people's doors to say, hey, let's talk about our budget, right? right. But it affects you every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk about public safety, your fire, EMS, your police. Yep. But this stuff affects you every single day, yeah. right? So when we, we talk about that sort of stuff, that's exciting to hear that that stuff is coming, that that stuff is being debated on because sometimes the quote unquote sexy topics, right? Um, defund the police, right. CRT, you know, you alluded to it, Donald Trump and, and Biden, you know, election fraud and all this different stuff. Um, I have the, the belief, mm-hmm. this is my belief, okay? We don't need to relitigate 2020. There are so many people putting a thousand percent energy, money, everything into that for something that isn't going to be changed, right? We've got to focus on 2022, 2024. We've got to focus on legislative bills, privacy. We've got to focus on election security. We've got to focus on those things. And if the smoke screen that can be put up by the left that says, be afraid, COVID, be afraid, COVID, be afraid, CRT, this is, this is, you're, you're not equal, everything, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly we look around and that was just a lot of smoke to distract from the unsexy things that really need to get done for the people. And it's a lot of smoke to detra- to distract you from the one point X billion, or excuse me, trillion dollars that again is being added to our national debt. Um, most people would probably scratch their head these days and go, why on earth would we be you know, borrowing more? Because we don't have this money. We don't have this money. We have to go borrow it. We have to write paper that China will take out on yep. us. And yep. then they take another little piece of America. Yep. You are exactly right. We need to stay focused on the things that have made this nation great. Stay focused on things that have an impact. For example, you hit on one, it's very important to me. We have exceptional law enforcement in Western Wisconsin. I am proud of these people. And you cannot throw an industry out over maybe the act of one individual. No, nowhere else would we do that. Yeah. You know, an uh, electrical engineer does something really, really crazy yeah. and stupid. Yeah. Do you throw all electrical yeah. engineers out? Yeah. No, you don't. We have great law enforcement. I think you're going to see bills come forth in the state of uh, Wisconsin that are actually ways to better support our law enforcement. Yeah. These people, can you imagine their days? They're going to a you know help grandma you know, with something maybe easy at her house and then going to a horrific car, you know, accident next. You know, we've got to understand the complexity of their world and find ways to help them, right? And, and, and you know, and, and help them navigate that. So um, I'm all for law and order. I don't want to have a law law saying, you want to defund the police, don't do it in my backyard because guess who's coming in? Yeah. The criminals. Yep. And, yep. you know, I, I live in a community that's great. I want to keep it that way. So... Those may not be uh, front and center for a lot of people, but they make a difference. To your point on the budget, you know, we took a full percentage point out of the income tax bracket in the third bracket 
families are going to, and it went retro from January of this year, mm -hmm. families in Wisconsin, in western Wisconsin, are going to see that come tax time. They will notice that. And those are the things that maybe there wasn't a big, you know, we, we didn't see a banner on the front page, but it's going to make a difference in the state of Wisconsin. All right, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Last question, okay. Right. Last question. What are you most proud of? Now, you can point to family, you can point to legislation. As, as, a, as a totality, okay, business 25 years, okay, you're, you're, you're serving the public, okay. What are the things that make you the most proud? Wow, that's, uh, that is an interesting question. Um, my faith in my family. You know, through all the years, and by family, it's my immediate family, it's the extended family we built. My wife and I both grew up very poor in this state. We, neither one of us come from anything. I had to have paper routes and jobs to help even pay for school clothes for my younger sisters and I. My wife's life was really not that different. We take a huge chance. We start a company. It grew. We took it public. It was a wonderful journey. Hired hundreds of people in western Wisconsin. They're my family. They're my extended family. I look back. I remember hiring people, um, watching, and we'd have events. My kids, my boys were little then. Now they're adults. We're there. Which you just had a wedding I did. last weekend. I did. One, my, one, of your youngest, sons, one of your sons got married. One of your sons got married. It's fantastic. So the boys are both married now. We got grandkids. Life is good. But we have been blessed on this great American journey that we call ours. But it's at, the, at the core of it all, it's faith and family. And I want to do my part to make sure that in my neighborhood, my communities, in my state, in my nation, that I've done everything I can with God's gifts to me to help make it a better place. So when I look back, it won't be a bill that I got passed. It won't be a, 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 an award for a business. It's going to be the love and the family and the things that I was able to participate in with my immediate family and my extended family. That'll be what I'm most proud of. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting and talking with us today, enjoying the cheese curds and the Diet Cokes. And uh, we'll have you back here in a while. I thank you. Thank you. Wow. What a great interview. Good times with Representative Zimmerman. Looking forward to great things out of the next legislative session uh, for him for District 30. Did you know that you can actually support the Mike is Always Right podcast with a monthly donation? As little as 99 cents a month, you can actually support this podcast. And literally, it's not to make the money. It's not because I'm going to retire a great big podcasting host like Joe Rogan or Ben Shapiro or any of the others. Uh, you know, people throw money at me. I'm always going to take it. But listen, for as little as 99 cents a month, you can say, hey, I support this. I support conservative values. I support what you're doing. And at the bottom line, we just appreciate everything. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your feedback. Listen, have a great day. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next one.